Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Project Loving Myself Podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. You know, dealing with certain things, there's times where it's like, you know, I, I don't speak to myself the best way, you know, and, and I, I tend to beat myself up. But the quicker that I catch on to it and the quicker I, I catch myself, the better things turn out. It just puts me in a better state of mind and able to kind of realign or get back on track or whatever the situation calls for. You're listening to Project Loving Myself Podcast, a well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal, and this is the Project Loving Myself Podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hi guys, this is Sanaya and I'm with you on the Project Loving Myself podcast. So we're going to do something a little bit different today. Are you in for that? I'm going to be talking to Filipino-American former professional basketball player who had a stellar career playing for the PBA over 14 seasons. He made an early mark in his career by winning the PBA Rookie of the Year Award and was named the league's most valuable player. But there is more to Kelly Williams than that. He is a fighter and an inspiration to many. Despite being challenged by the curveball that life threw at him, we saw him persevere and even thrive. In basketball terms, I guess you would call it a slam dunk. Amidst the unexpected illness that came into his life, he bravely fought his personal battles and stayed a true professional through it all. He gave his heart and soul into playing basketball by giving back to his PBA fans thunderous put-back dunks, leaving the whole arena with iconic and unforgettable memories during his peak. While battling his sickness at the same time, and even during the final years of his career. Now he dedicates himself to fitness and well-being. Fitness has been his anchor, and as he says, it literally saved his life during his trying times. He comes on our show today to share his thoughts about having the right mindset to persevere through anything, while also knowing when it's time to walk away. Welcome to the Project Loving Myself podcast, Kelly. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me on tonight. It's an honor. So I am really interested in your story, Kelly. Ever since I heard you at the You Wellbeing Festival, which happened at the end of August, I was very interested because a lot of your journey has been about self-discovery and personal growth, which is why I thought that, you know, this would be a great platform to understand a little bit more about how you have persevered. I think that's really the word of the day through it all. Now, you are pretty deep and inspirational on social media. I read something you posted. No one knows what happens on the line between before and after. But all I need to remember is that I got there. So what can stop us from going further? So is this the kind of self-talk that is going on in your mind all the time? Not all the time, but it's it's definitely the type of uh, reminders that I try to keep in mind, uh, especially during... uh, Trying times, right? Self-talk definitely has its place for me, more so because most of my life it's been poor. You know, I beat myself up a lot, especially growing up. And you know how it is when you're young and trying to figure things out. It was a seed that was planted that, that really 
showed itself in my adulthood and going through things. And I'm thankful that I, I caught on to it. And, you know, whether it was the self-help books or, you know, sharing my thoughts with friends and they're like, yo, you kind of need to start treating yourself better type of deal. Right. And so it, it is something that I, I try to keep in mind. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been more so the thing that I keep in mind for as far as perseverance and getting through things is just thinking about like my mom, my sister, my brother, my mom left the Philippines when she was 19. She was the first of the Castro family to migrate to the, the States and built a life for us, right, on her own. And like my sister, she's the eldest and you know, did what she has to do, does what she has to do to raise six kids, you know, full-time job, putting herself through school, putting up businesses and watching her succeed. My brother, he's two years older, but I always felt like the big brother because he's autistic. And, you know, watching him being told by professionals and schools what he can and can't do, and then seeing him working and driving and doing all the things that they told him he can't. You know, I, those are the examples that have been set to me. So I, I really just put myself in the position where it's like, I have no excuse. So that, that's really what I keep in the forefront of my mind. So Kelly, you've had a very interesting background that's obviously influenced you quite a bit, but where do you think you develop this kind of negative self-talk? The reason I'm asking is because I think this is something a lot of people do. You know, a lot of people are having conversations in their head and they're not saying very nice things to themselves, but I don't think people realize that they're doing that. Yeah, I think I can only speak for myself. I'm my worst a critic, right? And, and I expect a lot from myself. And I think that might be the case for most people. You know, they, they expect a lot, they want a lot. And so when things don't turn out, it's kind of like the first thing to do is strike at the one closest to you, right? Which is really your inner self and, and all of that. So that's been the pattern for me. And there's, there's still times like, you know, I have to catch myself because I, I do want a lot. There's a lot of things that I'm going for. And I expect a lot from myself. So, you know, dealing with certain things, there's times where it's like, you know, I, I don't speak to myself the best way, you know, and, and I, I tend to beat myself up. But the quicker that I catch on to it and the quicker I, I catch myself, the better things turn out. It just puts me in a better state of mind and able to kind of realign or get back on track or whatever the situation calls for. Yeah. So how did you realize that this was something you could change and you should change. I know you mentioned that your friends would tell you that you should be kinder to yourself or you should be you know, nicer to yourself. But when did it get to a point, Kelly, that you realize, wait a minute, this is not the kind of relationship I want to have with myself? Oh, that was, that's, I mean, it's, it's been a journey. You know, I, I realized that it was something that I've done for a while, but it's, it's one thing to realize it and another thing to do something about it. So one of the big things that has helped me along the way is really learning how to just love myself better, to treat myself better. And again, with the whole fitness thing and just figuring out how my, how my body can progress and get better, it, it became a pattern of just under, understanding myself and, and seeing where I'm, I'm, I'm not just doing my best. Right. And, you know, when, 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 when you weigh up, you know, how you feel and, and, and where you're going and you don't feel like there's progress in certain areas, which for me was more of the internal stuff. One of the things that really stood out was like, okay, I'm really just not encouraging myself. You know, I'm not, I'm not being my, my own fan, you know, and I'm looking for external things. So, you know, like I said, once it became like evident that it's something I need to do, something I need to, well, being that I need to love myself better, treat myself better, you know, speaking how I talk to myself, is a big part of that. I think it's interesting though, Kelly, to point out that, you know, as a professional athlete, the way people train to be better, you know, whatever type of uh, sport they're playing is really, it's all about like pushing yourself, pressure, right? It's a lot of kind of that energy of making sure that you are aware of what your uh, weaknesses are and really pushing the limit. So there's a lot of that kind of 
upbringing or training, do you think that that also made it very difficult to find a way to connect with yourself in a way that was more loving and kinder? Yes. It's, it's funny. It made me think of my, my high school coach who really, he, he was a different kind of coach. Some coaches or most coaches will kind of approach their, their players in one way. A lot of coaches, they, they get fired up and they yell and, blah, 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 and really try to beat on you to get the best out of you. Right. Because like, pressure makes diamonds. Right. So, right. but my, my, I think my coach noticed that I beat myself up enough to where he didn't really have to, he would just have to say, Kelly, like, I, I already know. Yeah. I, I already know coach. I, whatever. I, I'll get at it. And, and so like it, it became a pattern for me also where I just started noticing, obviously I have a lot of coaches go through college, you go through, like I've had a couple few coaches in my professional career. And it's one of the things I really noticed, like, how do you, how do you deal with people? And I feel like the, the best coaches are the ones who are able to adjust for their players. And for me, it really made it clear, like, okay, if everybody else notices, you know, if these guys can see it in me, like, okay, we don't need to put any more pressure on Kelly than he already puts on himself. It's like, okay, now where's the healthy limit, right? Because you need that. I feel like you need to be able to be pushed in the right way, but everybody has their limit. And for me, it's, it's like, all right, find the balance. No, I already know no one's going to push me. No coach or no team, teammate, whoever is going to push me any harder than I can push myself. And that's kind of been my motivation. The balance for me is how do I push myself past my thresholds but still keep it healthy internally. Yeah. And the, the, the fact of the matter and the truth of the matter is for a lot of years, I, I didn't, I did it in an unhealthy way and it, it showed in my body and in my inner life, inner world. So for the past maybe six years or whatever, trying to find that balance and finding it on occasions has really been the saving grace for me. You know, I like what you said that pressure creates diamonds But interestingly enough, even with diamonds, you know, I was thinking about that saying because I'm actually a gemologist. It's not something people really know uh, about me, but I'm actually a a graduate gemologist. And when you put too much pressure on a diamond in the wrong direction or at a point where, you know, you shouldn't, it can crack. Mm -hmm. So I think that pressure serves a purpose, but I also think that it can be a lot for people. Um, My husband is, um, he loves to play basketball. And um, so he has that kind of like athletic mindset. And he's always been a really good player. Obviously, he's not like a professional player, but he's like the, you know, the, the really dedicated basketball player. And I notice he does the same thing sometimes is he puts that pressure on himself to, you know, really do better or like, you know, there's a lot of that kind of pressure. I think when you're doing anything like Taekwondo, basketball, soccer, and so on. And I think it's very interesting that a lot of athletes that I know as well, they thrive under pressure, but then it always gets to a point where it's too much. So I think what you said about finding balance and making sure that you are aware of the kind of inner dialogue that's going on to make sure it's healthy, because you said that, you said it has to be like healthy dialogue. So you're Mm -hmm. encouraging yourself. You know, and I know that there is that kind of cultural, like it's here in the Philippines, it's in many cultures that you really got to pressure people so that you get the best out of them. Like you said, you got to push them. But I think that balance between the pressure while still loving yourself is something that I think you stand for. And I, I, I love hearing that from someone who, you know, is a professional athlete. So thank you. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think it just has to be something that you're, you're conscious of, right? Cause just, I mean, it's, we're human. So you're not always going to get it right. A hundred percent of the time. You know, I can remember the last few practices before I retired, like I, I'm working on my shot and I can go into practice thinking, okay, don't get frustrated. We're here to practice. We're here to get better. And 15 minutes in, I'll miss a couple and I'm like, I'm raging on the inside. Right. It, it just, it just, that's just life. And that's, but you have to find a way to just, you know, come back. It's okay. And that's literally what's going on in my head. It's okay. Take a breath. 
I'll stop shooting for a while. The rebounder is looking at me like, are we still doing this? And I'm like, just give me a minute. I'll close my eyes literally on the court. I'm dripping sweat. And I'm like, just chill. We're here to work out. We're here to get better. That's the whole purpose. We push ourselves to the, to the point to, of exhaustion and to the point where we feel satisfied. And we cut it there. And I, I, I think it's something that's important to do. I mean, just yesterday, I was dealing with some stuff. And nothing to do with basketball. But I had to catch myself again, take a breath, because I'm, I'm ready to lose it. And I, I think it's being conscious of it and being able to literally stop yourself and stop the thought in its tracks. And the quicker you do it, the better off you are. Because a lot of times in those highly strung episodes and those moments, you know, anything can happen, right, in seconds. You could say something or do something that you would regret. And you know, I, I've done that a lot. So I, you know, I, I want to make sure for one, I, I don't repeat history in, in any negative way and build myself towards something more positive for my future self and honoring my higher self. So it's definitely important. While you were talking, Kelly, I was thinking of my son. So I've got two little boys and um, my oldest uh, loves basketball and my younger son loves soccer. And I was just thinking, you know, as you were talking about how you coach yourself through these situations, that this is something as a mother, I need to start doing for my or I need to make sure that I keep doing this for my children so that they grow up replacing my voice with the voice in their head. You know, so like, you know, my son does Taekwondo. So I had to like be that voice of encouragement and I need to make sure I teach him how to manage his thoughts by sitting on the sidelines and being that voice that will eventually become his own voice in his head. So I think it also starts from us. Right. And I know you've got got children, too. So I can imagine that everything you've learned you are applying it to the way you raise your children. Yeah, definitely. Um, I got two boys also, and they're both in the basketball and they're kids. So they're in everything. They're in the the trucks. And my eldest loves to put together uh, car tracks, these elaborate tracks from coming off the coffee table up into the TV. And yeah, he, he loves it and he shows them to me. And sometimes he gets frustrated, you know, basketball, they get frustrated. And initially you know, I would just try to coach them and tell them, you know, do, you, you might be doing this wrong. You could do this better here. And I, I realized, you know, I thought back to my own self and how I like to be coached. It's like a lot of times you don't have to, it's not about teaching them what to do. It's just helping them and guiding them. Okay. It's okay. You can get mad. You can miss shots or this might not work out, but just keep working at it. It'll get better. You know, basketball, you keep practicing, it'll get better. Don't worry. Don't get frustrated. It's get frust- it gets frustrating at times, but it's okay. We all miss or, you know, and so that's really where I come from when I, I mean, a lot of times I'm watching them just play on FaceTime because they're in the States. And when, when we talk, it's, you know, it's, it's really, I'm coming from that place. It's okay. You're not going to make them all or, you know, if you didn't like the track you, did, you just made, you can make it better. You know, don't get frustrated. It's okay. All right. And, and it's exactly that. I want them to be able to have that voice for themselves to where, you know, they get to those points because they will, you know, our kids are definitely going to hit some walls in life and the better equipped they are internally, the, the, the better they are, you know, they'll be able to get through. So that's a, that's a really good point. I think that's the thing that we're really talking about are our life skills, right? These are the life skills that we need and we need to teach our children how to, you know, deal with things better, how to be more encouraging and positive instead of uh, negative or stressed out about things. So I, I, I think that this is something very important for all of us to consider. Now, you hit a pretty big wall in your life which I think you were not very prepared. I can't imagine anyone would be prepared for that. So you were diagnosed with, and I'm going to do my best to say this correctly, idiopathic thrombocytopenic purpura. Yeah, perfect. Okay. Yeah, ITP. Yes. ITP. So what happened? How did you get diagnosed? Tell me that story. Yeah. So... 
I was going into my third all-star weekend and it was my third year. So I, I had a lot going on in my first couple of years. Like you mentioned earlier, the, the rookie of the year, the MVP championship, but all sorts of stuff. I was been playing with the national team. Like I said, it was my third all-star in my third year. And I was really at like an all-time high. Probably 80% of my career accolades could be based just on those first three years. And going to the all-star weekend, we had three games scheduled. We played one game and, you know, the morning of the second game, I woke up with just a horrible, horrible stomach ache. By the time the game started, I couldn't even focus. By the halftime, I couldn't even stand up, didn't finish the game. And the next morning I was on a flight back to Manila, straight to the emergency room. And they took me up to the IV and helped me, you know, get rid of the pains and so they treated me for dehydration, but they came back with the blood tests or the, the, the results of my blood tests. And they told me that my platelets were super low. And so they threw just a bunch of numbers at me. You know, they said that the normal platelet count is anywhere between 150,000 to 450,000. And mine at the time was 6,000. So you know, all these numbers. And she started, you know, the doctor was telling me all the risks involved and yeah, it just, it was just freaking me out. But at the same time, I'm thinking, you know, one week I'll be back on the court. I'll just, you know, rehydrate and everything is cool. But, you know, the first day I, I you know, they said they'll admit me overnight and, and watch my, my, my counts one day turned into two days that third day I ended up getting a blood transfusion. And by the fourth day, they, the, the, the doctor diagnosed me with uh, ITP and yeah, that's, that's really when the roller coaster began for me. What were the first thoughts in your mind when you realized how serious this was? Well, like I said, those, those first few days, maybe the first week, I was thinking I'll be back in a few days, few weeks or whatever. But when the doctor started telling me about the risks, he said, you know, if I play with platelets that low, oh, God forbid I hit my head or something, have some internal like hemorrhaging in the brain, uh, they wouldn't, no surgery or medication would be able to stop it. So I could potentially have a stroke and possibly die. And I think just die was enough. Actually, to be honest, like just hearing ITP and that I had an autoimmune disorder was enough to freak me out. So I, like I said, I had never heard of it. I wasn't sure. I started thinking about like, like my active past, you know what I mean? And like, what is going on? So I had a lot of stuff going on uh, in, in my mind. And like I said, once he told me that about the, the, the brain hemorrhaging, stroke, dying, that was enough to kind of really look into this thing. And when I got put on the medication, my within months, maybe by two months, three months, my whole appearance had changed due to the side effects of the medication. So my face, if you look at some of the old pictures from back around that time, 2000. 9 to 2012, I mean, I looked like a totally different person. A lot of weight gain, moon face. And then I think the biggest thing for me was the insomnia, the mood swings uh, that really started to just deteriorate me. And I really just started feeling like I was on an island. Like no one could say anything to really help me, really. I wasn't listening to anyone at the time. I wasn't listening to my, my, my now ex-wife at the time and it was just I just felt alone and really was questioning everything in my life friends you know the spiritual belief system everything everything was questioned and yeah like I said maybe by that third month with the medications and the side effects and everything that's when I knew okay this this thing is is serious you know I've worked with a lot of people Kelly, through my um, Theta Healing and my um, coaching sessions. And 
a lot of people go through a kind of uh, series of like a like series of stages. And um, when they get diagnosed with an illness, usually it starts off with denial. And grief actually is similar. You kind of go through similar stages, but it's like denial and then there's acceptance. And um, the denial stage sometimes lasts for so long that they don't get better. And it's only when they start to accept the disease that they start to heal from it. Did you see the difference between that time period that you were struggling with it, that you were questioning so many things. And also you mentioned, right, that you were uh, questioning some of your spiritual beliefs. And that's also something that I see a lot is you wonder, you know, why, why did this happen to me? What did I do? You know, is there a creator, a God up there? Why would they do, you know, why, why is this happening to me? So tell me a little bit about the whole experience in terms of what it was like when you were struggling against it when you were questioning these beliefs and when you got to acceptance, how that changed the whole experience. Yeah. You know what, Sanaya, honestly, like it, I did not, it, it, I I never really accepted. I did. I never accepted the fact that as the doctor said, I deal with this for the rest of my life. I'd be on these medications for the rest of my life. um, And I'd be limited yeah, and this goes back to, you know, as a young knucklehead running the streets of Detroit, like I never liked being limited and it got me into a lot of trouble, you know, but I didn't like being told what to do or telling me I can't do anything. And so that was the major thing. You know, the doctor said, I, I, I'd be on these medications for the rest of my life and you, know, you won't be able to do certain things or you won't be able to, you know, whatever. It's just, I can't, can't, can't. And I just never accepted that to be honest with you. But as far as going through the, the whole reconfiguration of my spiritual beliefs and just how I saw relationships and friendships and, and connections of that, like that. Yeah. I, I think one of the things that's common that I, I, when I spoke with other guys who went through certain traumatic you know, situations, the, the common theme was like, oh, I really, I really got to see who, who had my back. You know, I really saw who my real friends were going through those things. And that, that was a big thing for me. I, I actually was, I didn't want to take offense or I just, was, it just opened my eyes to a lot of things. You know, at that time, I think there was maybe like three people in that matter of five months that came to see me. Yeah, I definitely took offense and, and, kind of put myself in this shell where it's like, okay, I can't be this open and accepting of people into my life. It's like, I just kind of cut it off. And which wasn't the healthy way either. Obviously I grew out of that and started having better perspective on how I, you know, let people in or whatever. But as far as the spiritual beliefs, that was a huge one for me because at the time, I was a, I was, I was committed to the, the deity of, of Christianity. And, and the biggest thing for me was like a lot of the stuff that I was believing and being taught to believe wasn't, wasn't showing up for me the way I was praying and hoping and, you know, believing for a lot of it being the whole healing, you know, and so, and then this is something I, I don't think I've ever really verbalized to people, a lot of, you know, friends from the past or church friends or associates or whatever. They, I never really had this conversation with, with, with people. I definitely ever talk about it publicly. So I may stammer through it a little bit, but yeah, it, it was, it was a, a big deal for me because I really believed uh, in a certain way and really hoped for, for things to be different. So I started looking for answers. I started to look and, and search and, and really get to know myself and get to know, just try to just, like I said, just plainly just try to find answers to make sense of what was going on. And it, it, it wasn't, I wasn't in the why is this happening to, happening to me phase for long. It was just like, why isn't what I believe showing up for me? And so that's really what led that, you know, sparked the journey for me to try to look for more answers. 
but um, and I'm still I'm still looking for them, you know. But I'm at, I'm at, I'm at peace with where I'm at now, and uh, that's all I can really ask for. Now, before we get to the next question, we're going to be right back after this short break. Yo, what's up? This is Real Talk Darbs. Join me as we talk about life, love, relationships, and hear me drop wisdom bombs on every talk. Do check me out in Wisdom Bars with Real Talk Darbs Podcast. That's Wisdom Bars with Real Talk Darbs Podcast, now part of Podcast Network Asia. Check me out. Yalla bye! What are the things, Kelly, that gave you the best maybe relief from what you were going through? What are the things that helped you mentally to deal with what you were going through? And if you have any, um, anything you'd like to share about how you coped, I think that would be something that could be very helpful for a lot of people going through disease or situations in their life that feel like, you know, it's taken over. Yeah. It took me a long time to get out of the phase of feeling like I was drowning in the circumstances. So like, I always felt like I was fighting to get to the surface, whether it was in my career, trying to get back to some sort of respectable performance level or just not feel bad about, you know, just, just, just fighting, fighting, looking for stuff externally. And it caused a lot of damage. I think that was a big reason why, you know, we, the, it, our, my marriage went down south uh, or spiraled downward. And it just, I was willing to just break and fight and grab onto whatever I could to get to where I felt like I should be in my life. And, you know, we talk about acceptance. I think it was, it wasn't until I started accepting the situation as a whole from what was going on with taking the medications and my internal condition to where my career was and just letting go of those things. I used to listen to Tony Robbins a lot. And I remember him talking about the blueprint and a lot of times it's, we struggle because we can't let go of the blueprint we, you know, had for our lives. And the reality for me was my blueprint had just changed and I was still trying to, you know, create, what was what was and so like I said it, it took me a long time to get to that point it took me years it took me years and a divorce and a lot of hurt and a lot of pain uh, to realize that I needed to stop looking externally I needed to stop looking at my career as a, a a gauge of my value I needed to stop looking at who was around me and you know who wasn't around me or whatever to feel whole and it really was once I started you know really focusing on just getting myself right getting my mind whether it's through you know self-help books self-development books I, I read those a lot meditations and just trying to calm that that crazy like that 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 voice that wants to keep reminding me of my past and what I don't have and what should be and what isn't and whatever and strengthening that voice that's saying, you know, we can, we can move forward. We can go, we can do what we want to do. We need to let go of this thing. Don't listen to that. Let's move forward. It's always moving forward. And, you know, once I started focusing more on that, man, that's, that's really when I started finding peace in the middle of like the crazy stuff that was going on. But like I said, it took me a, a, a long time to really start to start letting go of the old blueprint, as it said, and looking forward. So what I heard from you, Kelly, is acceptance was a big deal, letting go. And then you yes. talked about value and worthiness. So attaching your value to something that was not outside of you and sort of working on that worthiness not to be dependent on all those external labels. And then the last thing that you said, uh, which I also thought was, was really amazing is learning to listen to the inner voice 
you know, the voice that really is the wise part of you. And some people call that the higher self. And yes. some people call it the intuition. And some people call it the guidance, you know, from yes. the, the higher beings or the universe. Um, so I think those are some very important things, important lessons, I think, that yeah. you learned along your way. Now, you talked about the blueprint a few times. The blueprint, as I understand, is sort of the life story, the, the plan for our life. And you sure. said that at, at, at one point you were not willing to accept yet that that blueprint or that plan had changed because mm -hmm. of situations that were not directly in your control. Right. So what are your thoughts about our blueprint that... We each have our own blueprint, but it keeps changing. Is it like destiny? Is it design? What are your thoughts on this concept of blueprint? Yeah, destiny or design. I, I had a conversation about this maybe about a month ago, wondering what it is. You know, our, our, is our life planned out, you know, or do we create it? I tend to think more on the, on the, on the side of, of we create it and we create the problems as well. I agree with you, but, by the way, completely. Yeah, yeah. but it is, as far as the, the, the blueprint, you know, it's sometimes for me, when I look back at, at, at those times, say like my first three years, the blueprint was being created as I saw my career go. So, I, I mean, when I first got into the league my rookie year, I had no idea I would be an MVP. I, I didn't know I would be rookie of the year. Like, I, I didn't know I would do all the things I did. But once I got to that point, and it's like, whoa, if we can do this, we can do this and this. And then maybe in a couple of years, this, you know. And so I think that's just how life goes at times. You, you, you create it as you go almost unconsciously. Because as you go, the restrictions or the limitations start to fall off as you continue to progress. But then it's when, when that wave hits and all these chips that you stacked get knocked over, then it's like, I'm going to try to rebuild these chips. But a lot of times that puts you in a more stressful state of trying to rebuild something that, you know, rebuild this mountain instead of moving on, letting that go and, and just creating again, because we, we have the power to do that. But I think the, the unknown and the unfamiliarity of the road ahead is just, harder to, to, to accept and want to navigate when you've already seen how one road, you know, was, was paved out. So like I said, that's just one thing that I, it took me really, a really long time to, to let go of and, and, and realize. But once I did, then I started to empower myself really with the idea that I can, I can build and I can do it even better than what I thought I wanted in that first draft. So I think that a lot of people do this where they try to recapture what they lost, mm -hmm. you know, or they try to recreate a relationship that they once had or a career. And they're kind of always looking back perhaps with regret over what was once a certain way. Okay. Yeah. Or what once was, but I think that these situations come into our life. You called it the wave uh, to help us change direction and to force us to rebuild our lives in a different way. Maybe a way that is more aligned with our life purpose, which I believe we decided even before coming here. Yeah. So I believe actually similar to what you're saying that we do create everything. We do create a lot of different things, but I also think that there is some kind of plan uh, there is some kind of, a, uh, I would say, purpose in everything. And there's yes. certain events that are predestined that we have to go through mm -hmm. because that is part of the journey that we wrote yep. for ourselves. So I do think it's a combination of both. But, you know, I'm going to ask this question since, yeah. you know, we've both agreed that it's a little bit of, it's a lot of creating your own life, but there are also some events that are like fixed, Right. So why do you think you created ITP? You look at it from that perspective. What was the purpose it served in your life? You know, one thing that I really 
when I look back on my life from, like I said, when I just think of my, my, my parents, you know, and, and their, their stories of overcoming in the face of just multitudes of craziness, right? It was built in me to be resilient. Like I said, I look back at their stories, my family, my siblings, my own life, like the common theme has been resilience. And so now I identify with that. Like I said, I've told people over the past couple of weeks, when I reflect on my career, I feel like I've defined my career, even myself, by the idea of every time I get knocked down, I get back up and nothing kept me down. You know, now that I can, I finished my career, I can say it, you know, I call it proudly or whatever. Everything that tried to keep me down didn't. And I think it's been a theme for my life. And like I said, I, I resonate with, I resonate with the whole idea of being resilient. Just it's, it, I, I can just, I, I have tingles in my body now just thinking about it. So I feel you look at the history of people doing great things. All of them, all of them have went through crazy trials and you wonder like how, how, or why it's just, that's just a matter of fact. People with great missions just go through great trials. And you have, like you said, that was one of those things you have to go through in order to, to get where you are, to get to where, get to the promised land or whatever you want to call it. And so for me, if one of my life goals is to leave a legacy of resilience for my kids, right? That was, that started when I wrote my first book in 2012, I wanted to leave something behind for them to see that, okay, daddy went through some stuff and this is how he got through it. I can do it too, right? This is what's built in me. And that's what I want them to have when they get later on in life. But you don't build a story of resilience without being tested. Right. 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 So that's just, you know, that's when you talk about acceptance, that's just one of the things I've had to embrace, you know, and, and instead of going through something and being worried about when the next thing is going to happen. Now it's like, okay, something's going to happen, but I'm not walking in fear. It's just something you just find another way to get through it. So I think, you know, the ITV thing was a big, you know, component in me realizing my own resiliency, you know, from being that kid that walked around afraid all the time and feeling weak, realizing that there's, I'm stronger than I am. You know, um, I have so much to, to say about what you just said, Kelly, but I think I might have to get you in for a healing session with me to go down that path. Let me, let me share a few things. So the resiliency is definitely something genetic. So your parents, like that was their theme. And often as children, we take on the story of our parents. So if our parents struggled with finances or they struggled with relationships, as children, we carry it on for our parents. Perhaps, you know, that's the legacy that they left us. Perhaps that's the way of showing our parents, look, we're good children. We're carrying on your story. We're living your life. Sometimes it's like an obligation that I need to do this for my parents. And sometimes it's a way of getting their love that, look, I'm carrying, I'm, I'm living my life aligned with yours. And so sometimes inadvertently we carry on this energy from our family and we make it happen in a way in our own life. And like you said, resiliency is your theme. Now we can't be resilient if we don't have a situation that really teaches us the resiliency, right? You need to have something major happen in order for you to learn to be resilient against it. Right. And I think that it had to take something as big as ITP for you to give you perhaps that learning or that lesson that you were seeking on some level. And so I'm sure you look at yourself today and you're so proud of this person you've become because you've, you've been resilient through ITP. I mean, you did things that most people said you could not do. 
And you talked about your brother who's autistic and he did, he defied it too. So you can see it's really in the family. Your brother did the same thing. And I think that sometimes we choose these kind of lessons or experiences in our life because we will now empower other people. We will inspire other people who don't have, who don't have resiliency or who are learning resiliency. And hence you wrote the book. Right. You wrote a book that is meant to be the inspiration for others. Right. Right. So I kind of see your life through this lens that it was all leading you up to where you are today. Having said that, sometimes we don't need to go through such painful, difficult situations to learn these amazing lessons. And I'm sure now that you've come through all of this, and I know you are an avid reader, you know, you listen to podcasts, you're constantly endeavoring to discover yourself more, to answer those questions that are in your mind. You're on the path of transformation, self-discovery, you know, self-love. And I think that now you're learning that it doesn't have to be so difficult. It doesn't have to be so painful that we can learn through books, right? We can learn through positive experiences. We can learn through conversations like ours. Yes. Right. Do you agree with me on that? Yeah, definitely. You know, it took me a while, like I said, to accept the fact that, okay, if, if I'm going to believe the way that I believe, I, uh, I, I brought this into my life, right? A lot of times it just feels like you're just going with, with the waves of life and stuff just hits you. Right. And it, it, could be the, it could be the case, maybe, you know, like stuff just happens. You know, you lose family members, you know, stuff happens. This whole COVID situation, you know, how devastating it's been on the world. You know, all the, 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 the racism you know, situation going on in the States and around the world, you know, stuff just sometimes happens around us and we still have to find ways to navigate and cope. Right. You know, but that's just, just what it is. It's, you know, about that, Kelly, I remember something that you posted on social media and you said that some days you feel like you're out of control, but you also said similar to what you're saying now that it's inevitable because that's how life is. Life is sometimes just what it is, but the only thing we can do is to control the controllables, like our reactions and we can take care of ourselves because that's how we can move forward despite the inevitable. And I read that and I said, this is amazing. Like this is the kind of message people should be reading. Mm-hmm. You know, tell me more about that. Like, how do you control the controllables? What are you doing to kind of focus on the things that you can control so that you are not overwhelmed by all those things that are out of your control? Yeah. I, I, I think it's for the, the average person, it's, it's easy to get worked up. You know, you can just scroll a few times on your feed and just get angry, you know, of of seeing what's happening around the world or, you know, I'm an empath. So, you know, I absorb that energy from people, friends are ranting about something and it's just, it's easy to to get caught up in it if you're not conscious of what's happening. So a lot of times it's just, for me, I have to just cut it off, right? I'll just shut off my phone for 24 hours and focus on, okay, one, if I am feeling a certain way, I focus now less on what's what happened and more on why I'm triggered the way that I'm triggered. Right. Cause there's sometimes, sometimes some, there, there are feelings and emotions that elicit naturally elicit, you know, feelings of anger or whatever, but I try to check myself basically and be like, you know, or I'm triggered a certain way. Why am I triggered this way? And how do I now not reciprocate the energy that I was given and instead bring my best self forward or put out my best energy and not be affected and impacted like, uh, or by whatever's happening around me. So that's kind of more my focus now. That is my focus now. Um, it's not selfish to say I'm focusing on myself for the sake of what I'm presenting to the world. I think it's important for people that self-care, self-love, all that stuff is important. It's not selfish. It's necessary. 
So, you know, not being focused on what the next person is doing. I think that's an important message because, again, culturally, uh, my culture, Philippines, most Asian cultures are like that. We do tend to think of other people before ourselves, and that's something that's celebrated. That is almost something that is considered uh, the right way to live is to put other people first. And I think that the, the younger generation, the new generation, has started to understand how important it is to fill your cup because if you are empty, you can't really give to anybody else. And so I think it takes many of us some kind of challenge, trauma in our life, a loss perhaps, an illness, some kind of a situation that makes us perhaps learn to focus on ourselves, perhaps realize how important it is to love ourselves and to care for ourselves. And I think that your story is, is similar in that regard, is that through ITP, I think you found yourself, right? You found yeah. the way forward. And I think, you know, just from our short conversation, your career, your personal life, you've had just such an incredible journey so far, okay? What would you say, Kelly, that you are grateful for or you are most, most thankful about from this vantage point? Uh, there's a lot to be thankful for and grateful for. Going through these things, like you said, I, it really showed me me, right? It really made me face myself and, and all the goodness and all the darkness. And there's a couple things that really whether it's through fitness, going into my career, getting through ITP, I realize about myself, you know, there's, there's a lot of discipline in my actions that's going to affect what, what's going on. So whether it's discipline in meditation, discipline in working out, discipline in how I eat, there's, it, it, those, it taught me those things. And it also taught me that I, I need to be assertive if I'm going to and direct if I'm going to go any further than where I'm at. So that's, again, it's that same thing. Really being, what's the word I'm looking for? Intentional with my actions, right? And it's, you know, look at my career. I look at my, you know, going through that whole YTP thing. Like it, it taught me those things. Now, those are just the, the, the traits that, yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that it taught me those things because now it's, it's helping me now. Right. But like I said, there's a lot of things to be grateful for. Like now, I, I my, my my platelet levels are normal, have been for a while. You know, I've it's been about maybe two years that I haven't taken any medication for it. Wow. And it's just it's just my my I feel the best I've felt in my entire life. I'm 38 now. I'm probably in the best shape. I'm 38 and I'm retired, but I'm probably in the best shape I've ever been, you know, in, in my life and in my career. And I, it's, it's really, you know, the stamina and the endurance and the strength of, uh, that was built through, you know, climbing those mountains and building that confidence to know that I can get through whatever, you know, in, in the midst of it. Like I said, there's a lot to be grateful for, but I think those things are, pretty high up on the list. I'm so happy to hear that your platelet counts are back to normal. You're in such great shape. I mean, that's just living proof of yeah. how everything you've done has gotten to gotten you to a point where your body has responded yeah. in, in a positive way. So whatever you're doing, you're doing right by your body. You're doing right by yourself. You're yeah. definitely on the right path. I appreciate it. I think it, it, it wasn't until I took a, a holistic approach to my life where things started to come together. Yeah. Um, before it was just, whether it was just fitness or just focusing on reading and whatever, it's like my focus would be on one thing at a time. And once I started putting together, once it started coming together for me, that's when I realized, oh, it's, it, it really takes a total package to, for my, in my situation, my, since my body was kind of fighting with me, 
It's like, I, I can't just eat right. I can't just train. Okay. And more importantly, probably most importantly was I need to get my mind right. I need to you know, align myself with the, the, my greater self, my higher self. And now it's like, okay, that the focus is a very, a full spectrum focus for me. And just kind of a side note, I, I, I found out about third eye. This is, I don't know how many years ago this was. One of my friends went for some healing and talked about how amazing it was. So I've been, I've been thinking about going for a while already and, you know, life happens and I just hadn't been able to schedule. But when the U-Fest, when, when, when Christina, you know, approached me about the U-Fest and, you know, I saw your name and third, I was like, whoa, I completely was like, I think I manifested this. <laughs> and so that was one of the first things once the events ended was one of the first things I was going to, was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to book or at least try to connect with them. Yeah. And to me, like just sitting here in front of you now, to me, it's like, it, it's, it's amazing to see how life works and just the, the, the law of attraction and, and all that really come together. So oh my gosh, that, that's amazing. And I, I know who, you, which friend you're talking about. He was my client. Yeah, yeah I remember. Yeah, so yeah, yeah I, I do believe like there's no coincidence. Everything is very synchronous. And I love what you said. It was just really beautiful. I think that this whole idea of body, mind, and spirit it really has to be a cohesive journey forward, you know, keeping all these aspects in balance. And that's really what you've exemplified. And look at the results, look at the outcome, you know, that speaks for itself. Now, there's something I was very curious about. Um, I know we're getting to the end of the show, but I really wanted to know, Kelly, you, you made a big move by retiring. I mean, you were at a great place. But you walked away. I mean, you retired. What made you do it? What was the circumstances? That that has been the number one question the past couple of weeks, right? I think it pretty much kind of threw everybody for a loop, mm-hmm. especially within the community. And this will also be another one of those first times where I'm really voicing it out. But I feel comfortable here, so I will. Thank you. Um, you know what, just what it is, you know, I, it was at a time where, yeah, I, I had a lot going on, you know, we were starting to train and, and I was also trying to prepare for the, the U-Fest uh, talk and I just had a lot of things going on and there was a lot of the whole business end of the, the, the basketball, which I've never really liked. In fact, hated. And there was just a lot of stuff going on that I just didn't feel comfortable with. And that's where I think the average player in my position would kind of swallow whatever pride or whatever it is and just focus on getting the contract done for the sake of finances where I just, just really didn't feel right in my, like in my spirit, like my, the depth of me just did not feel right about how things were playing out. And so I said, you know what? I, I need to honor myself. I need to honor who I am, who I believe myself to be and step away from this thing. That's really just, not in line or feeling aligned with who I am and who I want to be. So I just woke up one morning and was like, this is it. I'm stepping away and I I don't want to allow myself to feel less than. Right. Right. And that was it. It's like, let's step away. Let's move in and, and align myself with, with, with things, people and places or whatever that is more congruent with those inner beliefs. I think um, it was definitely a very brave move 
But I think what you're talking about is being in integrity with yourself. And I think this is another, you know, statement of your, or affirmation of your self-love. Because you chose to be in integrity with yourself over anything else. Right? And that's self-love right there. Yes. 100%. Amazing. I, I, I feel if I don't honor myself and what I believe is right, what is this all for? That's kind of the mindset, right? I love that. Yeah. I love it. So, Kelly, now we are at the end of the show. So what I want to share with others is your project loving myself mantra, like something you want to share with our listeners about being true to themselves or about self-love, something that could inspire them in their own individual lives. What would you like to say to them? Well, I mean, it's pretty much heard my story. My whole approach at this point in my life is how do I get to my essence of who I truly am and be the expression of that? That's really, that's my focus now. I want to get, I want to break down the defenses. I want to break down all the walls that were created from my childhood and all the hurts and all the episodes that have caused me to put up this facade and really live through who I was created to be. And we all have the essence and we all have reasons to put up the walls and put up the facades, but I think it's important to, to get back to who we are and who we are made to be. And that's where greatness really starts to show up. So if there's anything, you know, dig down, dig down to that essence, you know, find it, own it and, and, and allow it to, live through us, I I think is key. So you're ready to start your healing journey now. Yes. And that's why you're, that's why you're ready to book a session because now you're ready to heal everything that has held you back. I am 100% primed for some healing. Yeah. Amazing. This has been an amazing episode. I I can't tell you how much I feel your journey and it feels like, you know, when you told me that your platelets are back to normal and how you're in great health, I felt like I just won, you know? So I I really feel like I could identify with your story and I think many other people would be able to do so as well. So I really thank you, Kelly, for being so candid and so honest about your challenges and what you've been through. And of course, um, giving us the picture of what it looks like on the other side. So thank you once again. Um, I'd like to request you to share uh, anything about how people can follow you, perhaps your Instagram details. If you want to also tell them about your book, I'm sure a lot of people would be very interested in that. Um, And so if you can go ahead and and share your socials, please. Yeah, definitely. Well, first, I'll say, Sanaya, thank you for having me on. Uh, it's really, it's really an honor, and it's really, you know, podcasts and and and, and programs like this that have helped me in my journey. And I, you know, wish you all the best, and uh, you know, continue to impact people. And I'll be seeing you in Third Eye as well soon. Yeah, my I'm most active on Instagram. You can find me at. KXL Williams 21. And yeah, my, I took, actually I took my book off the shelf some years ago, but I'm working on the second book now, which should be out by December, which is the first one's called rising higher. And this one's called rising higher forever. And it's more of the updated. And uh, I think this one will be far more powerful. You know, it just talks about, the continued journey. The first one talks about getting through ITP and getting back through, getting back on the court. And I think the journey since then has been a bit greater, you know, especially when you talk about the healing side of it, the healing side of things. So uh, definitely check it out. Uh, I think it'd be, you know, I hope it to, you know, make some impact on people's lives and I'll be posting about that more in the coming weeks. So 
Please stay tuned. I loved doing this episode with Kelly Williams, especially because his story is something that I think a lot of people can relate to. I mean, so many people are dealing with situations in their life that literally came out of nowhere. And it's really how we react to that that determines how well we do in that situation. It determines how quickly we'll recover. It determines whether it turns out positively for us or whether it even turns out badly or goes even downhill from there. And I love that, you know, Kelly, he dealt with something that I think nobody would have ever seen coming. The illness that he went through, ITP, is definitely something that knocked the wind out of him. But, you know, he got up, as he, as he said, he was resilient and he proved to himself that if he could get through ITP, he can get through anything. And I think that's the confidence that we gain from many of these situations in our life that really challenge us in this way. Now share your thoughts about this episode with me on at Project Loving Myself podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. And please tag me at Sanaya Gurnamal on all social media channels. That's S-A-N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. Now, if you're joining us for the first time, do drop us a rating on Apple Podcasts and definitely write in and let me know what you thought of this episode. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Project Loving Myself podcast, where we hear inspiring stories from people that motivate us to live our lives better, to inspire ourselves and other people that we surround ourselves with. I give you now the Project Loving Myself thought for the week. Love is the great miracle cure. Loving ourselves works miracles in our lives. And this one comes from Louise Hay. I think that Kelly Williams' self-love journey, I think that's really what brought his body back to a state of balance and harmony and health. And I think this is something we can all do. We can all triumph, triumph through anything that life gives us and we come out stronger on the other side. Thank you for listening. This is Sanaya reminding you how much you are loved. Thank you. This is the Project Loving Myself podcast powered by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.